0: amen if you would stay standing there's been a lot of worship going on here this morning so let's worship as i read uh, the passage for this morning we're going to continue in our blessed series uh, so matthew versus matthew 5 verses 1 through 10 now when jesus saw the crowds he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and he began to teach them he said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is a reading of God's word. You may have a seat.
1: Check. Hey, now we're here. Awesome. All right. Uh, before I get started, I want you to turn to a neighbor, preferably somebody not you're already, that you're not already sitting with, and just make like the funniest, silliest face that you know how to make. Just one, two, three, go. I know, I know some of you are being pretty conservative there. I know you got more in the tank, but we're just going to keep rolling anyway. So uh, good morning. My name is Matt Van Sant. I've been on staff here for about three years now. Um, I am... The worship ministry leader, uh, and get to lead this awesome team behind it. Would you just give them a round of applause? They put in week or work. They put in work all week, um, and they do an awesome job. And, and they don't get paid for it, but I do. So uh, they're making me money this morning. But um, and I'm I'm married to my wife Anna. We've been married for a, a year and a month. Uh, If you haven't met her, you should meet her because she's awesome. She's going to be teaching here at the Knoxville High School. So she's in. She's in. So go introduce yourself to her. She's the reason my friends want to hang out with me. So just go (laughs) introduce yourself to Anna. Uh, Like Judd said, we're in the series called Blessed. It is upside down on purpose. Um, That was my dumb idea. But... Uh, it is upside down on purpose because as we study the Beatitudes, we notice that it seems like Jesus starts. This is the very first thing he gets to say to a large crowd. And it, he just takes these statements and it like, takes our experience of the world around us and he flips it on its head um, and says, actually, these people are blessed. Um, so three weeks ago, Judd talked about being poor in spirit and how they will inherit the kingdom of heaven about being just bankrupt before the Lord. We have nothing to offer them. Uh, Those are the ones who will be blessed. And then Pastor Bob Johnson from First Reform came and talked about, blessed are those who mourn. And I love how he said it. Blessed actually means to be happy, to be like enviably happy. And so he said, uh, if you want to be happy, you have to be sad. And that just cracked me up. It it feels so backwards. Um, They will be comforted. Uh, And then Jeff, my good friend, Jeff Naus. Uh, he has no stories on me. If you were here last week, he acted like he had stories on me he doesn 't he doesn't know anything. Pastor <laughs> joke, spo- uh, joke Jeff now spoke on, "Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth," which does feel so backwards, right? It feels like those with the most followers, the biggest influence, the loudest voice. those are the ones kind of inheriting the earth right now, and but it 's not so in the kingdom of God. and so this week we 're in verse six, if you want to pull it up. Blessed are those who hunger. And thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. So, everybody, read that with me. This is easy to memorize. These are the only words I've been given to talk on, so I'm going to repeat them a lot. So, let's just memorize it together. So, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Amen. So, I'll tell you, there was a time we're talking about hunger and thirst. There was a time I had a taste aversion to the word righteousness. So, I, I grew up in the church. And it was just kind of one of those words. Maybe maybe you find yourself in the spot, like you're kind of on the outside looking in. sometimes it feels like with church we use all these big words, and people throw it around like you're supposed to understand what they're talking about, and I, I didn't. I grew up in the church, I heard this word a ton, and I didn't know what it meant, and it but it had this connotation of like holier than now, that like righteousness is for like Jesus was righteous, but then it's like pastors and other. Tryhards are like the real, they're the real righteous ones. And I, and I kept hearing in church growing up all the time that I was so far from from righteous. I was so far from. So um, it's, and I, like I heard out of Romans 3, it's like, no one is righteous, no, not one. I, I understood that. Uh, and then for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that's where I checked out. Like, let, I don't know if anybody taught me the verses that come right after that, but that's where I checked out. And so I had this. Um, thought that, like, well, we're just all sinners, and that's how it's gonna be, and, and, like, Christian community became, like, I'm gonna go to a Bible study with a bunch of guys, and I'm gonna say, hey, I'm really struggling with this, and then somebody else would be like, hey, I'm also really struggling with that, and we just commiserate that, like, ah, well, we're just sinners, and that's, that's what's gonna happen. We're just gonna, but it, not that it's bad to, like, share when you're struggling with something and know that you're not alone. That's, that's, but it's only half the story, so um, I did keep, I kept growing in my faith in, became a try-hard and kind of a pastor, and um, I found that I, I would get in this cycle of striving, like hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm striving, I'm doing my very best, uh, and then I would fail, and then I'd feel incredible amount of shame, and then I'd be defeated, and I just kept repeating this cycle, and I still do sometimes, uh, over and over again. Striving, I get inspired, I strive, I fail, feel really ashamed and then I'm defeated and I just give up for a little while. And, and maybe there are some of you kind of in that, that cycle with me this morning. But um, I, I, my whole faith became just based around like uh, my striving was like, did I read the Bible that morning and did I like have lustful thoughts? Did I give in to lust? And if you were to ask me, if I were to evaluate how my relationship with God was doing, if I could check those two boxes, I was doing pretty good but if I couldn't, then I was a wreck. And so there's so much more obviously to following Jesus than did you read the Bible in the morning and did you not sin? And uh, my experience of hunger and thirst for righteousness, the, the promises that you will be filled or satisfied and that was not my experience. My experience was um, I tried really hard for righteousness and I was burnt out and I was really empty. And then what I saw was my friends in college were like, they were not trying to follow Jesus. They weren't. They didn't have this constant like guilt complex about righteousness. It's like they were just going off drinking, doing whatever, um, and having a good time. And like they were filled because that's what they were looking for. They didn't have any reason to to feel guilty. And I was like, how is this feels so backwards that I'm trying my best and I feel this cruddy, and all my friends are just doing whatever they want. Uh, and it's not righteous, but they, they have no regret. They're not in this cycle. And it just, it felt not true. Uh, and I don't mean to sound cynical, but it, it's a, it was a painful season. It still can be really painful. So, um, so that you don't fall into the same trap that I felt into, we're just going to try to define righteousness. We're going to look at it from two different angles this morning. So the first one is just the definition. So if you want to pull up the slide, I, I learned a Greek word this week, so I feel like a real pastor. Uh, the word is dikaiosune, and it means both righteousness and justice. So some of you will read the ESV version where it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be filled. It's both. It needs both. So uh, we'll, we'll define both. Uh, oh, I got real lost there. Yeah. So righteousness, it, I mean... To put it very simply, just means right with God. Um, it, and right relating with God. And it has this, uh, this kind of connotation of governance. Uh, so God's like sovereign governance, his reign, his government over our life. And so when we're right relating with God, it means he's in charge and everything that we're doing lines up with that one thing. And so, um, It would be like if somebody is a righteous man, it means that everything that 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 man does, thinks, and says is in line with God's governance. Uh, And then justice, the second word there, it's maybe not so much how we think about it. Um, When I think of justice, maybe it's just me, when I think of justice, I think of like courtroom. Like somebody did something wrong and they need to be punished. And my focus isn't even on the person who was wrong. It was just like, oh, they're going to get theirs. Like, they better be punished. That's what's going to make it right. But justice, uh, I think through God's eyes, is much more um, redemptive. I think, I think punishment without restoration or redemption is really just revenge. And, and God is not full of revenge. Um, and so we're going to define um, judgment as uh, God's redemptive, and restorative love in action it's recognized that it is punishing and disciplining but it's always to the goal of restoring um, and redeeming and so there's your uh, there's your Greek lesson for the day that we're blessed are those who hunger and thirst for decaiosune for everything every thought every feeling every person every people group to come under God's reign of restoration and redemption. It's about being righteous and justice is about becoming righteous, that's the promise here. Um, and I just think that on its own, this is really good news for you, like for us. This is really good news that if you have suffered any kind of um, loss, like if, just look at the past like two years. Look at the past year and a half. If you're starting to recognize that things aren't as they should be, if things aren't being made right under God's governance, then I think you're well on your way to hunger and thirst for this righteousness. And so if you've experienced loss, if you've been taken advantage of relationally um, or financially or professionally, if if it feels like your home situation is not righteous, if it's not in line with God, um, if you are a people group that has been experiencing oppression, and we can say whatever they want about their experience, but there are people who, because of their gender, because of their skin color, feel really oppressed. That's just the truth, but it's good news for them, and if you are like I have been in this cycle of failure, shame, and defeat, um, and you feel divided within yourself with your, devi- your, your desires and things that you want, and um, this is good news for you. You recognize that things aren't right, and as they should be, And it's evidence that there is a way that they should be, and it's with with God being in charge. So um, this is the kind of righteousness we can hunger for and long for. um, And we we just want to see it for ourselves. We want to see it in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, wherever we go. Um, And so before I get into kind of the second way that we're going to look at righteousness, uh, I want to take a glimpse at hunger and thirst a little bit. And I love that Jesus used these words. Hunger and thirst for me has typically more to do with like appetite, like what am I hungry for, thirst for like a a breakfast pizza from Casey's right now. Sounds really good. Uh, But unlike hunger and thirst as we think of like preferences today, as Jesus was talking to these people, they understood hunger and thirst was the thing that shaped their lives. Like they worked every day just to put food on the table. It wasn't like they had pantries full of Cheez-Its and whatnot to go to. This is like this is the kind of desire that, that shaped purpose. And it shaped, it ordered every other priority in, in our lives. And, um, and I think that's gonna be true for us when we, we think about this kind of hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's more than just a casual desire. Like, oh, a Diet Coke would be really nice right now. And it, it's, it's a deep need, it's visceral, it's to our very core that we need this or we're not gonna survive. Um, So I don't know if you guys have seen, anybody seen the TV show Alone? I think it's on like the History Channel. Only a few people, great. So you could go watch it, it's on Netflix I think. But it's basically like 10 people, 10 survivalist experts and they send them into like the Arctic Circle. They get to bring 10 supplies and this last they had to survive for a hundred days, like providing their own food. So they're going like days without food. They gotta hunt their own rabbits and muskox and whatever. And and it's awesome. It's really cool. You should watch it. But that's the, like they're like trying to catch fish, and this one girl's line snaps, and she just lost her entire she lost the whole thing because she lost her way of getting food and she weeped. So it's like I she hungered and thirsted. She hungered for that fish, she lost it, and she it was that deep of a need, that deep of a desire. And, and so, I just wanna ask, like, what, this is our, our question for the week as you go from here to keep thinking about this. What do I hunger and thirst for? What is the desire right now, what is the need in my life that's shaping everything that I do, that shapes all the rest of my thoughts, my attitude, my relationships? What, what is the thing that I, that I hunger and thirst for? And I, I bet for some of us, we find, like, uh, there's probably some stuff in there that's just not righteous, like, it's, and it's usually selfish, like, that we just, we need stuff out of fear for ourselves, or uh, that we're not going to be provided for, but then, if we take it deeper, I bet some of us would find, we're hungering and thirsty for really good things, but we're settling for what the world has to offer to fill those voids. So you, you like, you long for love, or you long for intimacy, and you're finding that, uh, elsewhere, I mean, you settle for you fill in the blank, or you're you're longing for significance and you settle for, you fill in the blank. You long for peace and you settle for complacency, comfortability, and a. Uh, yeah. So just ask yourself that question this week, and I and I bet the Lord will reveal something to you. But uh, as I was saying earlier, I had just a really complicated relationship with the word righteousness. I I didn't understand it. It felt unattainable. Uh, it wasn't for me. And I was hungry and thirsty uh, later on for the lifestyle. I thought if I have this lifestyle where I'm not sinning and I'm staying really connected to the Lord, then I'll be satisfied and God will be pleased with me. And uh, it was a good start. Like, I'll tell you, like, that's not a bad place to start, but it is only just the start. And um, in in that process, I I met the righteous one. I was hungering for a lifestyle, and I, but I met the righteous one. And... Uh, It is, righteousness is what we talked about earlier. It's God's perfect governance and right relating with him in everything that we do. But I want to share something that I've been seeing with you, or seeing as I've studied the Beatitudes, is that it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, Jesus emptied himself of the privilege of being God, God being spirit, and he became a little baby, dependent on a mother. And then he became a a carpenter, and then uh, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus mourned for the city of Jerusalem, that they just weren't getting it. They didn't understand that he was the Messiah, and then he mourned for his friend who had died, and his sisters were grieving, and he was moved. He, Jesus mourned, and it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, and Jesus fasted for 40 days before he ever did any sort of ministry, and, and so I felt like he just kind of showed me, like I. Ain't. so it's like Jesus stood up on a mountain in front of a whole crowd, and the first thing he started with was like blessing himself, Like, I'm going to bless those who are are meek. Well, Like, Jesus is meek. I'm going to bless those who hunger and thirst. Well, I hungered and thirsted. And so Jesus actually is these things embodied. He is hunger and thirst uh, for righteousness embodied. And so um, I was longing, I was longing, trying, hungering, and thirsting for a lifestyle that would satisfy me. But um, I'm just here to tell you, like, this verse, Christianity as a whole, you guys have heard before maybe, but let it become real to you. This is not about trying to follow all the rules. This is not hungering and thirsting for a lifestyle. This is a longing, a deep, visceral longing for the person of Jesus. Just for the person of Jesus. Wow. So 2 Corinthians, I'm gonna give some scripture here so it's not just a crazy dude up here telling you that. Um, God made him who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That was an exchange made from him to us, that he was righteous, we were sin. He traded that for us entirely. It was completed. He made that, that trade for us, that it's not just like, okay, yeah, but we're, we're righteous, but, but you know, like, God, you know, we still sin. and we, it's, He became all of sin so that we could become all of righteousness to him. You now get the chance, <laughs> God reveal it to me, reveal it to us, that you get to approach God with the same level of righteousness that Jesus had. That's the, that's the trade here. That's what he's offering. And I, I think some of us have grown up and are, are coming in, into the day thinking like, well, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Oh, that sounds like a Hallmark card. Like surely that's scripture somewhere and it's just not. Nowhere in scripture are you gonna find anybody addressing you like, you're just a sinner saved by grace. Um, the truth is I was a sinner and then I was saved by grace. Like, if you have believed in Jesus, you were a sinner, and now you are saved by grace. Um, It's saying, like, (laughs) if I have faith that I am a sinner, then there's grace for me, but I I, I build up this faith that I'm a sinner, then the way that I live is going to continue to be sinful. Like, I've now made an excuse for myself to just believe, yes, there's grace for me, but nothing about my life has really changed since I met Jesus. And I, I think the Lord wants to rescue us from that. It's just wrong thinking, and it, and it builds our, that faith builds our experience, and so um, the challenge is this morning to just stop agreeing with the accuser that you are a sinner. And it feels hypocritical. You have no idea how hard this is for me to say. Like, stop calling yourself a sinner. Jesus paid for that. The price he paid on the cross was enough for that. And uh, so, and I can tell, like, as I'm uncomfortable, some of us are uncomfortable. This almost feels like sinful to think this highly of ourselves. Um, so if you disagree, you can email me at matt at celebratechurch.com. I, sp- I spell Matt kind of weird, though. It's spelled J U D D. So just, <laughs> just so you know, um, don't send it to the wrong person. Um, I'm going to keep going. Philippians 3, verse 7. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to the church of Philippi. And uh, he, <laughs> Paul talks about earlier, too, that he was like a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had the lifestyle uh, of righteousness more than anybody else. And, but this is what he has to say about it once he met Jesus. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Notice how it didn't say the righteousness of God that comes on the basis of my lifestyle or or the law or the basis of my works. It doesn't even say the basis of my experience. Like my experience doesn't change what God said. This is what he says. On the basis of faith. Faith just being belief in action. So if you have faith that you're a sinner, that will work itself out in the action, right? Right? But if you have faith that God has made you righteous, the righteousness that comes from God, that God being the governor, you fall perfectly in line with him, your standing with him is completely right with God, it will change your experience as you go. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of the books in the New Testament, and I never once have I seen him start a book to the sinners in Ephesus, or the sinners in Philippi. How does he start all of his, his books? It says to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints. He, did, the book, he didn't write it for sinners. He wrote it for the saints, and, and that includes you. Um, and the, sa- the, the same thing is with Peter. This is what he says, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. There's no asterisk there. A holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You're not still in darkness anymore. There's just no in-between there. there. There was darkness, and then Jesus, and now there's light for you. And um, I, like I'm not saying this because I have this figured out and I have it all together. Um, I mean, ask my wife, ask the staff here at church. I, I don't have it all together. But I'm learning that as God reveals himself to me, as I to the degree of which I just take him at his word and believe in the righteousness of God that he paid for for my life, it starts to work itself out in my attitude, in my thoughts, in the way that I relate with people. And I, so my standing with God, I am righteous, and now I'm living that out. I'm becoming righteous as I believe what he's already done, the finished work of Jesus for us. Um, and then and Paul even says this later in that same Philippians three passage. It says, not that I have already obtained this, but I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward. There's a different kind of pressing on here. The goal, as he has talked about, is, is the righteousness that comes from God. The goal is um, to be like Jesus. That's the goal. It's not a spiritual keeping up with the Joneses, like, well, I'm kind of in this class where I come like two two Sundays a month. And like compared to the other people who are kind of doing that, I, I guess I'm doing pretty well for myself. Or like, oh, I go to prayer things on Wednesdays or Mondays sometimes, so I'm kind of in this class. It seems like I'm doing pretty well here. The standard, the goal is Jesus for every single one of us. Whether you're gonna be a preacher or whether you're gonna be a teacher or a, a banker or whatever it is, a farmer. The goal, the standard, is Jesus. So we press on towards the goal that he's already bought for us and and for it to be lived out and and experienced then. Um, And then it says the prize is to be called heavenward, to be with Jesus. So Jesus is the goal and the prize, he's both. And, And that's a really beautiful thing. I just pray God reveals to all of us the beauty of that. He is the goal and the prize. We don't strive for a lifestyle. We hunger and thirst for the presence of Jesus, for the person of Jesus. And he, he used the words hunger and thirst is this his first big sermon in front of everybody. Um, and then a few years later, the person of righteousness, he took bread with his friends and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Righteousness is a person. Then he took the cup of wine and he said, this cup is my blood spilled out for you. And all all the disciples had to do was receive it. And so I'm just gonna invite Andrew up to, he's gonna lead us in communion. I just want you to, I wanna invite you just to receive. All that's required of you is not that you have your life put together. It's just that you receive the righteousness that Jesus paid for. We just take him at his word. It's the most humble thing I know how to do. I have (laughs) nothing to show for myself. This is just what he said.
2: So, yeah, thanks, Andrew. Yeah, just a couple words of instruction before we do the words of institution. We're going to have four stations up front. uh, And so just because we have so many people, we'll have a little order to it in that these two sections will come toward the middle, go to their stations, and then go around the back, and we'll start from front to back these two sections will come towards that middle aisle and then come back around that way. The Lord Jesus, the same night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. So we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit now, that the bread which is broken and the cup which we've blessed would be to us the communion of the body and blood of Jesus. Amen.